You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, coming to you live from Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. Learn how to study the Bible more effectively, get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going, and experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Carmelina Bikino, and today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston. Welcome, David. You today. Oh, I'm well, thank you. Sorry about that. I've got a bit Ooh. late on bringing you up. I'm no well. worries. How are you today? <laughs> I'm very well, thanks. Very well. That's good. And today we're continuing your series of the Word of God. Mm. Yes. So we've been doing a bit on spoken word, and last week we started on the written word. Mm. Yes. So, um... It's good to have you back, and is there anything you would like to tell us about what you have for us today? Yeah, look, I'll kick you off with my journey in the Word, and then we'll, we'll look at um, some of what we're talking about a little bit later on. But my, my journey in the Word today is going to take people on a journey with where I was as I started becoming more familiar with, with the Bible, mm. and I, I started reading it, I started listening to it. I found a audio recording of the Bible and I would put it on uh, USB and I would listen to it whenever I could where, where I was driving. So in Western Australia, there were often long distances. I'd put it on and listen to, you know, a whole book of the Bible. Oh, wow. In a couple of hours and really enjoyed it because to me, it, it actually brought the Bible alive in many, many ways. And I would just get all of this information into my head. And for me at the time, it was a Christian walk was all about getting that information in your head. Yeah. You know, and and I started down this journey where I felt like I had to I had to do it all myself, you know. I, yes. And and being from the military, I thought I can do it all myself. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm very self disciplined, and I can I can do this. I can do this. And I actually headed into legalism. And it was a time when I thought that my salvation relied solely on, yes, we knew, I knew that Jesus died for me and forgave my sins and that's where I could go if I fell. But I felt like I could do it. And so I did all the right things and I felt like God wants you to do all the right things to be saved. Mm. And that was my challenge. So, you know, as we as we look at this and we unpack it a little bit more in the following weeks, we'll look at, well, well, how did I end up where I am today? And what, what do I believe today based on what the Bible says, what I learned and my experience as a Christian as I grew? So we'll look at that in future weeks. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Mm. Um, I definitely know that my experience with learning the Bible was one of um, a bit like that, a bit like mm. methodically trying to remember everything. And then um, eventually I started to wisen up a bit more. So I'm <laughs> very intrigued on, on what you have to tell us. And, of course, um, you can catch... Or all the past episodes um, and other series that we have on Faith FM through Tassie Encounters, um, through the Faith FM app and the Faith FM website. Be sure to check them out so you can catch up on what we're talking about today. Mm. Now, last week we did receive a text message that we didn't have time to cover, and I believe we're going to cover it now. So that mm. text message was from David in WA. Hello, David. Hope you're listening. <laughs> um, and that was about how... The Essenes, 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 sorry. Mm, and right. he wrote, weren't the Essenes strictly vegetarians, which John the Baptist, who only ate locust plants, not insects. 
That's a really good question. I've mm. had people mention this before, David. So yeah. I did some research into the actual word used in the Greek in the New Testament. Not so much in the Old Testament, but we'll look at that in a moment. Mm. So in Matthew 3, 4, what David is talking about is John the Baptist is in the desert and he and it says in Matthew 3, verse 4, that he eats locusts and wild honey. Mm. Now, many people have said, oh, this is the locut plant. It's a misinterpretation. But the actual Hebrew, sorry, the actual Greek mm. is akris. And, it, and it's the same word that's used in Revelation 9, 3 and 7, talking about these uh, these things. Let me just pull that up for a moment. And uh, it's these things that come out of the bottomless pit. Oh. So the things that come out of the bottomless pit, let me read it. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth or, earth, or akris. Mm came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns like something of gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. Now, if this was the locust plant, hmm. that would be a very unusual thing, to have a locust plant, and some people will say, well, see, that's why you shouldn't be vegetarian. Hmm. Because these locusts are going to come out um, of, the, of the bottomless pit. No, it, it's actually the same word, akris, and it's the word. The word actually means grasshopper, locust. Um, you know that that creeping insect. Yeah. Now, some people will also say, "Well, well, hey, you can't eat that. How come John the Baptist ate that?" Well, when you go to Leviticus eleven twenty two, you see that is it is okay to eat. Yeah. And. That means, you know, you can go and get some locusts, you can dip them in chocolate and have deep-fried chocolate <laughs> locusts. Good luck oh. if you want to try that. But apparently, apparently they're quite nutritious and they're okay to eat. Yeah. They're in the clean foods, if you like. Oh, there you go. And, you know, bugs have been named the foods for the future, so <laughs> maybe that's oh, something we know. can get into business for, hey? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. But no. look, the other thing is that the, the, the Essenes were a sect of the Jews. Now, mm. a sect of the Jews meant they were very strict in all of the Jewish customs. Mm. Now, for them to be a Jew, they had to keep Passover. The Bible was very clear. Scriptures were very clear. Three feasts, you must present all your males before the Lord. And one of those is the Passover. The Passover, they had to um, eat lamb. Mm. Now, if you're eating lamb, you're not a vegetarian. No. So, yes, they might have had... Otherwise, vegetarian diets, that's fine. Mm. But to be a Jew meant you had to eat the lamb at Passover. Otherwise, you were cut off oh. from the people. Wow. And that term means killed. Oh, wow. So okay. It was quite strict. Yeah. It was quite strict. So what, what John the Baptist is eating here is a clean food mm. in the desert locusts mm. not my choice of food no. but it kept him alive <laughs> oh there you go well <laughs> so i hope that clarifies it for you absolutely David? absolutely and thank mm. you for um messaging that question in um anyone also has questions you can <laughs> let us know and we'll have a listener question later on but right now mm. i think it's time we get stuck into the word <laughs> Righto. So look, as I continue the series on the, the Word of God, I want to continue now with the recording of the life of Jesus of Nazareth. So mm. not so much on so much on what he did. We looked a little bit of that, but the actual recording of his life, that's what we're going to look at today. Mm. But first, I want to ask a listener question. 
So perhaps our listeners would like to text in a, um, a response or a review on this topic as we unfold it today, mm. but also also the question about um, that I would like to ask. So what was the first autobiography that you read? What was the first autobiography that you read? And what did you learn about the person portrayed? Yeah. <clears throat> did you have a first person that you read? Yes, my first autobiography I read, I believe, was um, written by Doug Batchelor, and it was oh, wow. The Richest Caveman. Ah, um, yes. That one was, it was the very first one. I was trying to think back, was there one before that? No, nope, that was it. And I remember mm. that one was, uh, it was a very good book. Highly recommend it. Mm. So um, mm. if anyone is listening, and um, this was our listener question, please text us in. We'd love to know um, what was the mm. first autobiography that you've read and what yeah. did you learn about the person betrayed? Zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Who yes, was who was yours, um, David? Yeah, mine was Sir Douglas Bader, and the book he that was portraying his life was uh, Reach for the Sky. It's called. Ooh. You can Google it, and you can still get a hold of it. Oh, lovely! So this was a story about Douglas Bader, who was a World War Two fighter ace pilot. And he had two tin legs. Wow. So what happened was while he was doing his training, he was training in a, a Spitfire. Mm. The Spitfire, he didn't have his flaps down when he took off, and that gives you enough lift to take off at a lower speed. Mm. And he didn't have them down. And so he ran through the, the end of the runway. He crashed the plane and it took his both, both his legs off oh. or damaged both his legs. One below the knee, one above the knee. Oh, wow. Okay. So back then he had to have two tin legs fitted. Now, what was amazing about him is he determined a couple of things. He determined to be able to still dance without people noticing oh. that he um, <clears throat> that he had tin legs and continue to finish his training and fly a plane. Oh. So not only did he do both those things, mm. he became a fighter ace, which means he was in the, the top echelon of fighter pilots. And what happened, he was shot down twice... And one time when he was shot down, he was shot down over Germany. And in in the, the prison camp, they had to take his legs away because he kept escaping. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so they took his legs away. But what I learnt from this story was the, the value of persistence mm. when you desperately want to achieve something. So persistence, determination, you know, when you, when you if, if someone who loses both his legs can go on to finish what he was doing, mm. become an ace at what he did, and then, you know, be persistent and continue escaping from a concentration camp. Wow. That tells me a lot about, you know, the effort that I need to put into things that really matter for me. Absolutely. So, the question again? Yes, the question was, what was the first autobiography that you read and what did you learn about the person betrayed? Um, text us in on 0488880891. That book was amazing. I would love to read that one day. Mm. Um, but yes, and but right now, this is Give Me the Bible by Matt Manikas and featuring Clint McCoy. Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming. To cheer the wander, lone and tempest-tossed No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming Since Jesus came to seek and save the lost Give me the Bible, holy message shining 
Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining, till night shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible when my heart is broken. When sin and grief have filled my soul with fear, give me the precious words by Jesus spoken. Hold up faith's lamp to show my Savior dear. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining, till night shall vanish in eternal day. That light alone the path of peace can't show. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till night shall vanish in eternal day. An eternal day, an eternal day. You're listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM, and we are talking with David Maxwell on the topic of the written word, the life of the word. Before the break, we did give you a listener question, which was, what was the first autobiography that you read? And what did you learn about the person portrayed? Text us in on 0488-880-891. We would love to hear from you. So, David, um, this series, The Word of God, um, we've been focusing a lot on the Old Testament and the journey across from um, Moses to the floods and, mm. um, yeah, to Malachi, I think, was the last one. Mm. So, what are we going to be focusing on today? Yeah, thanks, Carmelina. Well, when you look at John chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says that the Word was with God and the Word was God and then you read some more about what he says about this Word and then you get to verse 14 and it says the Word was made flesh and dwelt with us and Mm. that's clearly talking about Jesus. So what I want to look at today is 
what's been recorded about the life of Jesus, both inside and outside the Bible. Mm. So that's that's very important for us, and that's where where we want to go today. But first what I want to do is pray for our readers, and then I'll get you to read the section that is towards the end of the Bible that mm. I think is just really brilliant. So we'll read that in a moment. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we can open your word again today. As we do that, Lord, I pray that you will bless our listeners and may they hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So where I want us to go to start with today is First uh, John chapter 1, 1 to 4. And, and I'd ask if you would read it, um, Carmelina, from the New Living Translation, the NLT. Absolutely. First John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, and it says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This is who is life itself, was, re- was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we, what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Mm. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Thank you, Carmelina. I love what he says that yeah. that we proclaim what we've actually seen. I love that mm. translation. And so for me, that makes it really, really clear that, that they're writing about what they see. As as we read this, I, mm. I read it in a much more animated way, but that's okay. I oh, enjoyed sorry. the way you read it. <laughs> but as I as I read this, as yeah. I hear you reading this, to me I see I see there's this realization that's come on John. Mm. I can't believe, this is in my words, I can't believe that we had God himself with us for three and a half years. Yeah. You know, and, and he, he walked along beside us, so we talked, we had meals together, and he did all these amazing things. I can't believe it. And and we want to tell you that we witnessed this. We mm. actually saw it. So that's that's what I thought was, was really good. Now, f- first-hand witnesses mm. are extremely important. Yes. I want to share a story about first-hand witnesses. So Captain Robert Lewis was the co-pilot of the Enola Gay. Now, that may have rung a bell for someone already. Uh, this, this aircraft was the one they used to drop the first nuclear weapon on a populated city. Oh. It puts to shame what we see today here that Russia is doing to Ukraine. Mm. puts that to shame. <clears throat> but he records what he saw. Let me read what Captain Robert Lewis, he was the co-pilot, and this is what he said. In about 15 seconds after the flash, there were two very distinct slaps. This is on their plane. Then that was all the physical effect that we felt. Then we turned the ship so that we could observe the results, and there in front of our eyes was, without a doubt, the greatest explosion man has ever witnessed. The city was 50% covered with smoke and a large column of white cloud, which in less than three minutes reached 30,000 feet and then went to at least 50,000 feet. Mm. That's an incredible eyewitness account, but it pales to insignificance to the other account that was recorded about this. You might, may or may not have heard about Yoshita Matsugi. No, let me try that again. Matsushigi. Matsushigi. 
I, I, I won't even I won't even retry his surname <laughs> again. But Yoshido was a survivor of the Hiroshima mm. atomic blast in 1945, and he, there was an area of about five kilometres. Um, circular mm. around the impact site that was completely destroyed. But miraculously, Yoshida lives just one kilometre outside that area and he survived without any major injuries. But his account is very, very different. Let me read it. Mm. There was a flash from the indoor wires as if lightning had struck. I didn't hear any sound. Uh, how shall I say? The world around me turned bright white. And I was momentarily blinded as if a magnesium light had lit up in front of my eyes. Immediately after that, the blast came. I was bare from the waist up and the blast was so intense it felt like hundreds of needles were stabbing me all at once. The blast, it says, grew. I'm not sure if it's grew or blew, depending on the way that the, the, the blast affected his walls. But he said the blast grew large holes in the walls of the first and second floor. I could barely see the room because of all the dirt. I pulled my camera and my clothes issued by the military headquarters out from under the mounds of the debris. I got dressed near the Mayuki Bridge. There was a police box. Most of the victims who had gathered there were junior high school girls from the Hiroshima Girls Business School and the Hiroshima Junior High School Number 1. I've, I've left out the most graphic details mm. because we don't need to record those. No. <clears throat> but... This is what he saw. This is maybe the least worst of what he saw. Having been directly exposed to the heat rays, they were covered with blisters, mm. the size of balls on their backs, their faces, their shoulders and their arms. The blisters were starting to burst open and their skin hung down. Some of the children even have burns on the soles of their feet. They'd lost their shoes and run barefoot through the burning fire. These are two very, very different accounts. One from afar, recorded by those who were responsible but watching from a distance. But the other first-hand account was from someone who went through the experience quite personally. They're two very different accounts, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. But together we have a fuller picture of what happened through both accounts, even though they're devastating but important. Yeah. So first-hand witnesses are really important when trying to determine what's occurred. Um, why? Why is it important? Well, there's different types of witnesses. Firstly, somebody like an accident witness. Something's happened, um, a car accident, and when it happens, police like to take as many witness statements as possible. Mm. The reason being is because through many statements, they, they can piece together what's actually happened. Actually, if, if they get stories that are identical, they usually put them to the side until they verify them in a different way mm. because it sounds like those people have got together, they've corroborated the story so they, they have it exactly the same and they think that's more accurate. But the police prefer similar stories with slightly different details mm. so that they can say, well, this is more genuine. Seen from different angles, people reported it in different ways, but it's the same thing. Mm. We'll look at that in a moment. When any major event has happened, you have event witnesses, and it's important for a number of witnesses to record what, what's happened so we get an accurate picture of the event. And then there's historical witnesses, so accident, event, and historical. This is when you're reading historical events that, that have been recorded. Now, every historian creates a story with a bias, 
It's mm. his viewpoint. So it's important to read as many accounts as possible so you can recall or put to piece together what's actually happened. When you do that, even with the Bible, it's very, very important because it authenticates the document. And you need evidence both from within and without the document to help us to see that this document is accurate. <clears throat> yeah, it One of those. Yeah. yeah, go on. I was going to say it just increases validity, you know. Like it you, does. Yeah, absolutely. It does. It's like if I open a book and the book says this book is true, mm. well, how do I know it's true? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and we talked about that in the first program. So mm. there are people that outside the Bible that verified some of the uh, events and the history that re- is recorded within the Bible. So Josephus was one of them. He lived uh, from uh, AD 37, so clearly after Jesus left. He never actually saw Jesus, but he records some interesting history and he verifies some of those events that were happened. Being a historian, he has to research it. Mm. Thallus was a Greek historian. So Josephus was a Jewish historian writing for the Romans. There was some bias there. But still, he recorded similar events that happened in the Bible. Thallus was a Greek historian. He wrote about the death of Jesus around about AD 52. Serapion was a Syrian and he wrote in 73 AD. You know, these are all, you know, within a few decades of, of, of the, the actual events. He wrote about the execution of the king of the Jews. And then Tacitus, uh, he was living from 55 to 120 AD. He was known as the greatest historian of ancient Rome. And he wrote specifically about Jesus being sentenced by Pontius Pilate. So the evidence from outside the Bible actually confirms some of what's in it, and that's very important. Mm -hmm. There are other first-hand witnesses. We have the disciples. These Mm -hmm. are people who spent three and a half years with Jesus as his disciples, and they confirmed a lot of the things that, well, they wrote, right, wrote about some of the things that they experienced, some of them with their, they verified with their very lives. What I mean by that is they died Mm -hmm. saying this was true. This was true. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the other people, the people that were with Jesus and that were experiencing like uh, the things that he did, the healings. That was like Lazarus came back from the dead. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. Dr. Luke had to carefully research these things, but John actually witnessed it, which is important. And then there's inspiration. There are people who in the Bible said that we, got, we had direct inspiration from God, like Paul. And when you see some of the things that Paul recorded, he couldn't have recorded them unless someone showed him accurately, like the upper room. He wasn't there, Mm. but Jesus showed him what happened, and he writes as if he's there, which is fascinating. Absolutely. So from what you're saying, I can see that there are so many stories about Jesus from inside and outside of the Bible. So there's so many firsthand witnesses. So um, Mm. we can gain a lot of confidence and accuracy from the New Testament stories. Mm, That's right, Carmelina. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament have been verified, and we'll look at more of that after the break. Absolutely. Um, Before we go to break, we do have a listener question, just reminding you all, what was the first autobiography that you read? And what did you learn about the person portrayed? Um, text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. There is also a free book offer that we have today. It is called the Clear Word Pocket Paperback. It is a devotion that is a paraphrase of the Bible. Um, be sure to stick around to hear the code for that. Right now, this is I Love to Tell the Story by Chris Rupp. 
story of unseen things above of Jesus and his glory of Jesus and his love I love to tell the story because I know it is true it satisfies my longings as nothing else can do I love to tell the story twill be my theme in glory to tell the old story of Jesus and his by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM, and today we have David Maxwell on his series, The Word of God. And we've been talking about the topic of the written word, the life of the word. Now, David, before the break, you were saying that both the New Testament record as well as the Old Testament have been verified and trustworthy. Um, what would, you, would you like to expand on what's in the New Testament for us, please? 
Yes, we would. And and I, I just that was just a fantastic song that you chose there. I love <laughs> to tell the story. The the acapella voices. Amazing. So yeah. we're, we're going to talk about the story. We're going to talk about that story as mm. we go on. <laughs> so as I said before the break, the biblical and extra-biblical accounts of Jesus, from those accounts, we know that he was a, re- a real person. We've looked at that previously. We've also discovered who he said he was. But people will ask, why do we have four accounts? I had a friend of ours who was reading the New Testament as part of a uh, an involvement with the, a youth program in our church that we had. And he said by the time he got through the third one, he realised all the stories were the same. He says, why didn't they just tell me to read one of them? <laughs> and it's important. It's important because like we talked about earlier, the police wanting multiple witnesses to verify an account Mm. to make sure it wasn't corroborated, you know, that's not accurate. In the same way, in the Bible, we have four writers writing about the story of Jesus. They write similar events, but often from different angles. We want to look at that now. So the four views, the accounts of Jesus written by Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are actually the same story about the life of Jesus, but from different viewpoints and cultural backgrounds. And we'll talk more about each of those specifically. These writers also were writing to different groups of people and they had different uh, biases, if you like. They had Mm. different reasons for writing and for portraying particular stories in Jesus' life the way that they did. For example, Matthew was a Jewish tax collector. Jews who collected taxes from their own people on behalf of the Romans were seen by the other Jewish people as traitors. You can understand that. Perhaps for this reason, Jesus, uh, sorry, Matthew seeks to show the preciseness of Jesus' life and ministry. Perhaps this was to validate the truth about him. I'm, I'm not really sure. But nevertheless, Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples, and it would appear that he's writing to a Jewish audience, so a Jew writing to Jews. Mm. He strives to pr- strongly prove that Jesus was the Messiah. He wants to show his own people, this is the one we looked for. This is the one. And so he traces Jesus' ancestry all the way back to Abraham, and he talks about the 42 generations, and that's a significant number Mm. for the Jews. We haven't got time to delve into that. But in in this, it would appear he's trying to prove the legitimacy of Jesus' messianic claims. Mark, on the other hand, it, it would appear for a number of reasons that this is the John Mark that is later mentioned by Paul. Um, If this is the case, then John Mark was a Greek and he was a convert or a follower of Peter. So he wasn't a direct disciple, but he was a disciple of a disciple, if you like. Hmm. And that was okay as far as the the Bible authors were concerned. It appears that he was writing to a non-Jewish audience. And and this seems to be the case because he often has to explain the Hebrew terms um, in translating them into Greek for his listeners. So clearly they didn't fully understand those Hebrew terms, so it's likely they weren't Jews. Mm. It seems that Mark's purpose and or angle, if you like, for writing, his bias for writing about the count of Jesus' life the way he did, was to focus on his suffering for us. It's been called a passion story because almost a third of Mark's gospel is dedicated just to the last week of Jesus' life, which is interesting. But he also focuses on Jesus' teachings about suffering. Luke, on the other hand, he was a doctor. 
Luke was a doctor. Mm. Um, he, he accompanied Paul on many of his journeys, and the same writer who wrote the Gospel of Luke also wrote the Gospel of Act, because, Acts because it talks, um, it, it addresses the letters or the book to the same person, mm. Theophilus. So for these reasons, it's commonly believed that Dr. Luke wrote both the Gospel of Luke and Acts as well. Mm. Again, like for Mark, it, it, Luke often has to explain the Hebrew words and translates them as he's, as he's writing for his listeners. So it's presumed that Dr. Luke was a Gentile and he was writing to a Gentile or non-Jew audience. Mm. Luke records things like the genealogy of Jesus, but he doesn't just go back to Abraham. He goes back to Adam. Whoa. which is really interesting. And it seems he is identifying Jesus as the one that was promised to Adam and Eve as the one that would come and save us and, you know, reverse the sin's effects. Mm. He records that Jesus was conceived through divine intervention, but he was born like a human and he lived and grew like one of us. Mm. He is the only one that records the humanity of Christ in such Detail. So he talks about his early life. He talks about his, his, um, you know, the the persecution and the murder of all the innocents mm. in Bethlehem. You know, he he really talks in a lot of detail. We we can thank Doctor Luke for that. So he, being not a a disciple of Jesus in the day, being a doctor, he had to research everything very very carefully. Mm. So that helps us to see that you know he would have made sure that things were right, the, the the details were right. And in this, Dr. Luke seems to confirm or want to confirm the divinity and the mission of Jesus. Mm. John is a really special disciple. He's uh, he's what Jesus calls the the beloved, John the Beloved. Mm. Um, later on, it's actually referred to, the Bible refers to John as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That sounds like he's playing favourites, but mm. I don't think that was the case. <laughs> but yeah. he was part of this inner circle with Jesus, um, together with his brother James and Peter. So you always have these Peter, James and John are mentioned. That's the John we're talking about. It appears he is writing to a Jewish audience, um, the second generation of believers, if you like, so not the immediate ones that believed in Jesus, mm. but the ones following that, uh, perhaps around 90 AD. So, you know, he's moving into the second century um, or close to the second century. Mm. But as John was the last of the disciples to die, it appears that he wrote this gospel after he wrote the, his letters, you know, First John, Second John, Third John, and the Revelation account. It appears he wrote them first, and then he wrote the gospel after that. That's what mm. it appears. But, you know, we can't be 100% sure with these. The purpose of John's account is more important, though. John's account writes to insist that Jesus indeed was God, and he wrote much about the love of God shown through Jesus. And this theme is clearly displayed through his gospel story, the epistles, and also the book of Revelation. Wow. So it seems that um, the fact that these four men have such a similar story um, usually shows um, and a, you know, a similar account from different perspectives, but it also mm. confirms the accuracy of the story as mm, well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In actual fact, they were they were putting these letters, stories, and revelations together uh, in the early two centuries after Jesus left. 
They were very, very strict rules as they were doing this, as they were compiling all of these stories and letters and books. There was a number of rules they, they used to accept if they were accurate or if they weren't, because there are other books that were written around that time that aren't in the Bible today. So first and foremost, it had to agree with the rest of scriptures, the things that had already been read and handed down because they knew they were accurate. It had to be clearly inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it had to be written by an apostle or the disciple of an apostle, so Luke, Mark, you know, those people. And the only exception to this was the writings of Paul because they proved the revelations and the things he wrote proved the accuracy of them and that showed they were clearly inspired by God. And they also had to be letters and books that were read and accepted in all the churches at the time. Mm, absolutely. And I'm sure we'll be talking more about this later. But right now, I need to tell our listeners about our book offer. So um, today's offer is The Clear Word, a pocket paperback, which is a devotional for the, um, paraphrase of the Bible. So the paperback pocket edition is a popular devotion that paraphrases and makes a great gift idea for students and those who like to travel. It is the perfect size to tuck in a backpack, suitcase or purse, and it's easy to read two-column format. Um, the clear word is a devotional paraphrase of scripture and expanded for clarity. It is intended to build faith and nurture spiritual growth. The clear word was renewed um, has renewed the devotional lives of thousands of people. Let it renew yours. The code is after the break, and right now this is Tapestry. Tossed with tempest and not comforted. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. No weapon that's formed against you will ever or have dominion over you, my child You've been chosen for a purpose Won't you trust me? I'll see you through This tapestry's not yet done You're work in progress A masterpiece is being spun you can't see what I see, trust me, I am that I am. Oh, distracted one, burdened and weary, crushed by the weight of this world. Please remember, this world is not your home. Behold, I am coming quickly, my reward with me to give to all according to their words. Hold my hand, you will conquer this with me, you can do all things. Your work in 
This tapestry's not yet done You're a work in progress A masterpiece is being spun You can't see what I see Trust me, I am that I am You can't see what I see You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we are talking with David Maxwell on the topic of the written word, the life of the word. Now, before the break, as promised, we have our code for our giveaway, the clear word packet paperback, a devotional paraphrase of the Bible. And that code word today is word five. W-O-R-D and the number 5, no spaces. Text that in to 0488-880891 and claim your free copy today. That is Word 5 and the number is 0488-880891. So David, before the break, we were explaining the letters and the books that were included and what we call the New Testament. And um, this was thoroughly scrutinized before it was decided on. Mm. Um, so, putting it all together, what did the d- the Gospels finish? I'm sorry, did the Gospels finish up in the same way? Yeah, the the story of Jesus finishes up in a very interesting way. And mm. before I became a pastor, I, I used to watch a lot of movies, and you know, the American ones became very predictable. Um, you 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 know you know the story when there was a guy and a girl and they meet and they fall in love and then have a wonderful time together and you see all the pictures of them down the beach and all these wonderful times and then something happens in their relationship and one leaves the other and says no this isn't right and then finally at the last moment one of them says oh I made a terrible mistake um, <laughs> I, I, and they rush over and they make all things right and yes. then you have to assume that life is perfect after that and very predictable yeah, <laughs> yeah. classic. Classic, classic rom-coms. Yeah, yeah that's right. But <laughs> al- although many stories and movies are so predictable, these are just mm. made-up stories. You know, yeah. everybody knows life doesn't actually happen like that <laughs> often. Oh. But the beauty of the Bible is that many of its stories are first-hand records of what really, really happened. Mm. Uh, so we can actually expect that they should, all these four stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they should end the same. Mm. And they do. In Matthew, Jesus dies on the preparation day, lies in the grave, guarded by a hundred soldiers, and then he bursts out after the Sabbath on the first day of the week, early in the morning. His account, so Matthew's account of Jesus' life, is closed up by Jesus' final words of his commission and his encouragement. But we'll come back to that in a moment. Mm. Uh, Mark has a really comprehensive conclusion, but it's very, very brief. He just outlines everything that happened. <laughs> he, he covers Jesus' death and resurrection, his appearance to everyone afterwards, his instruction uh, to them all, his gospel commission to them all, and then his return to heaven and their obedient, powerful witness that followed. So it's a really, really tight summary. Mm. Dr. Luke records a similar but different brief account in some ways, but he records Jesus' death and resurrection, his appearance to everyone afterwards at different times and in different ways. Jesus opening their understanding so they can understand the scriptures. They, he, he records the reality of Jesus as a person after he resurrects, not just a, a ghost or a spirit that mm. has no, no, no um, body, you know. Mm. Uh, he also 
briefly describes his ascension into heaven. John, however, and those three are called the synoptic gospels, and synoptic just means read them together. John, however, uses a somewhat different ending. Many things are identical, but remember, John is focusing on Jesus' love for us, and John, like the others, records an account of Jesus' death, his resurrection, and he's being seen by all of them. But then he, he records a rather different finish. Rather than saying Jesus ascended, he closes the account with the restoration of Peter. Now, he's called the beloved disciple. Why? Because he, he's looking at the love of Jesus. And so he records the restoration of Peter and a comment that tells us that uh, if everything that Jesus did was recorded in a book, there wouldn't be enough paper. Mm. That's really what he says. So this actually helps me to give more support as to the fact that there were different facts recorded throughout these four Gospels at times. Because Jesus did so much, each one of them with their bias and their reason for writing and the people they were writing to focused on different events. But the overall picture is the same. Mm. Jesus lived. He was divinely. He came divinely. Uh, he, he lived a perfect life. He died. He was resurrected. That's the, the general picture that we see for all of them. And then he goes back to heaven alive alive. Mm. So the final portion of Jesus' last days on earth seems to be best covered in the opening chapter of Acts. And as I said before, this is, seems to be a continuation of Dr. Luke's closing statements in Luke. In Acts 1, Dr. Luke shares that Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them more clearly the things about God. And it's no wonder because of that they become such ardent witnesses for mm. Jesus, if you like. Then, before he leaves, he encourages them. No, actually, he, he empowers them for the mission that's ahead. And he tells them that they're going to be his witnesses, mm. where they are and then all over the world. So then, speaking about witnesses of Jesus as a real person, as Paul is writing to the early um, church in Corinth about 55 AD, Perhaps perhaps he's writing this actually before some of the other books in the Bible are even penned uh, or completed. Uh, he writes in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3 to 8. I'm just going to briefly read this from the New King James. Verse mm. 3, 1 Corinthians 15. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Whoa. 500 people at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, this is when he's writing, but some have fallen asleep. And then he mentions a, a number of other people that have seen it. And then he also concludes this section with a, the words, but last of all, he was seen by me as one who was born out of due time. This means that Paul sees Jesus personally and in reality in a vision and not, not really in person. Oh, okay. So... <clears throat> I bring you back to the opening illustration of Hiroshima, just mm. as it took two very different but personal eyewitness accounts of the event to be most accurately describing what it was like, so too the often differing but clearly accurate accounts of Jesus' life, death and resurrection 
by all these witnesses that recorded the experiences for us help us to confirm that indeed this is the most incredible story that was ever told to mankind. Mm. So uh, after all that we've read, we've talked about, we can see that Jesus' life, death and resurrection as recorded in the New Testament can be trusted. So all that's left for us to do, each one of us, is to accept to accept the story as fact and engage with it as Jesus said we should. How can we do that? Well, all we simply need to do is accept Jesus as our Saviour mm. and get in touch with us so that we can help you to find out what the next steps are. Absolutely. Um, it definitely, uh, you've made what one great case um, for the Bible mm. and its validity. So that's definitely... Um, uh, the way to do it, you know, it's it's such a good thing to, to accept the word as it is, but it's also not a bad thing to question it. Like we're we're mm-hmm. called to always, um, what's you know, not not question study its validity, but to study for ourselves. And mm-hmm. um, I I always try and um, I try and encourage my friends to do that when they when they have trouble with um, what they read in the Bible, what they hear as well from media and such. Mm. Um, we do have a text message in from Christina, and I just want to make note of it. The first biography that she, the autobiography that she read was A Diary of Anne Frank, mm. and that is on my to-read list. Um, thank you so much for write, um, texting in, Christina. And, yes, it does remind us as well of the characteristics we need to have as Christians today. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, thank you for having, um, thank you for joining us today, David. Mm. And um, we'll be having you next week with the written mm. word, the early church. And we look forward to hearing from you then as well. Join us tomorrow with Tamika Spalding um, for when to listen. Thank you for joining us today. This is Wisdom and Grace by Rain for Ro- for, for Roots. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to your ways. To number our days With wisdom and grace Wisdom and grace Wisdom and grace Wisdom and grace You've been our home And our dwelling Our place In all generations Before the earth And the mountains You are God Teach us to number our days That we may apply our hearts to your ways Oh, teach us to number our days With wisdom and grace Wisdom and grace Wisdom and grace The span of our lives it is made of sorrow and labor As the days pass away like the grass As soon we are gone Teach us to number our days That we may apply our hearts to your Wisdom and grace, wisdom and grace
Let the work of our hands bring you praise. Set your favor upon us. Oh, establish the work of our hands. May your kingdom come. And teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to your. 